This Sunday is Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday marks the end of the Easter season and start of what is called Ordinary Time. Those summer months not marked with specific church seasons such as Advent, Christmas, Lent, or Easter. There is a joke among those that preach, If you do not want to preach heresy, do not preach on Trinity Sunday. Why is this? The Trinity is a mystery above all other mysteries. Just how do you explain a tri-unity, a tri, three-member, unity, single entity? The Incarnation, a previously purely spirit God the Son, becoming permanently fused with humanity so that two natures reside within one being, the person of Jesus, is an easier, not easy, just easier, mystery to explain. And once a person has a working understanding of the Incarnation, the mystery of the Eucharist, the bread and wine being fully transformed into the body and blood of Christ, while the physical material, what Thomas Aquinas called the accidents, remain as was, is also an easier mystery to begin to understand. But the Trinity, however, three distinct persons, each one fully God, but they're not being three separate gods, that is much harder to explain. Making it more difficult is that there are lots of illustrations that are given, even by those known as saints, such as Patrick, that are popular but downright wrong. But all the same, the desire for people to describe the Trinity persists. There's a creed known as the Athanasian Creed, although it was not written by St. Athanasius, that is written to explain the Trinity. The Creed reads as follows. We worship one God in Trinity, the Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the essence. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost, the Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Father unlimited, the Son unlimited, and the Holy Ghost unlimited. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet they are not three eternals, but one eternal. As also there are not three uncreated, nor three in infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. So likewise, the Father is Almighty, the Son is Almighty, and the Holy Ghost is Almighty. And yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is the Lord, the Son is the Lord, and the Holy Ghost the Lord. And yet not three lords, but one Lord. Did you follow all of that? Did your eyes begin to glaze over? It is a good doctrinal statement, but it does not exactly flow off the tongue. And also, that is a short part of the total. It keeps going on like that for a good while longer. And when you are done reading the Athanasian Creed, you may know the right thing to say about the Trinity and the things not to say about the Trinity, but you will still not really understand the Trinity. What then is a person responsible for preaching to do on Trinity Sunday. Bring a message from the Gospel text. 
we will understand the Trinity better, although not completely, by seeing how the three persons of God interact with each other. I will, the, I will therefore, simply take the text and try to point out key elements. Our text is from the 16th chapter of John, beginning in the 12th verse, and reads, Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Thankfully, our passage is short, so it will be relatively easy to break down step by step. First, Jesus refers to himself, I, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Then Jesus references the Holy Spirit, and notice that Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as a different person. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is just like any of us could speak. I might say that I have something to explain, but when Mike, when Mike comes, he will explain it to you so that you can understand it. You would all know and understand that Mike is a different person. The next thing Jesus tells us about the Spirit is that he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This statement indicates how the Holy Spirit is fully connected and in unity with the provider of the message that he will reveal to us. Then Jesus reaffirms the interconnection and equal status between him and the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will take what belongs to Jesus, but Jesus says in John chapter 10 that all that he has has been given to him by the Father and nobody can take from him. Meaning for the Holy Spirit to be able to take what belongs to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, even though, as we saw a moment ago, is a different person, has to be co-equal with Jesus. Finally, Jesus says, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here, Jesus extends the co-equal status, turning his attention from the Holy Spirit to God the Father. If, the God, if, if God the Father has it, I have it. The Father and I are co-equal. And that completes the cycle. We have here three people, three persons of God, as theologians say, who are distinct from each other, but are co-equal and act in unity. I have what the Father has, and what I have the Holy Spirit will take. Is all of this confusing? It should be. That is why it's called a mystery. That is why it took the smartest theologians, those who literally lived with Jesus and their students and descendants, hundreds of years of study and struggle to come to an agreement of what the meaning of the Trinity is. And just how to understand the Trinity still causes many to debate and argue. And why is it important for us today? Do these technical details matter? They do. They do for they are for important reasons regarding our salvation. And those can be hard to fully grasp as well, however. 
before our day-to-day living, they matter in a way revealed by Jesus' words to us today, and we affirm as part of our liturgy during the celebration of every Mass. After affirming our belief in the Father, Creator of heaven and earth, after affirming our belief in the Son who died on our behalf so that we could be reconciled with the Father, we affirm the following, and in the Holy Ghost, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. And remember that the Holy Spirit is described by Jesus as the Comforter. The Holy Spirit gives us comfort, consolation, by being the one who empowers us to know and understand God's love for us. Even during challenges, times of hardship, and even grief, we can receive comfort, consolation, by knowing God through the Holy Spirit so that we can have life as Jesus promised, a life more abundant. Three persons of God working in tri-unity, each giving us life. The Father gives us life in creation, The Son gives us life and salvation, and the Holy Spirit gives us life and consolation. Amen.